Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly abundantly and, yes, overflowing joy. Tonight's message, They Understood Freedom. Today we celebrate President's Day, a special day in which we honor all past presidents, The national celebration of George Washington's birthday on February 22nd began while he was alive and continued after his death. His birthday became an actual federal holiday on January 31st, 1879, 80 years after his death. His birthday is also recognized in another unique fashion. Starting in 1896, it has become a tradition to read Washington's farewell address on February 22nd, the actual day of his birth, in the United States Senate by a current member. This tradition reminds us of a man whose patriotic spirit still inspires us today. Our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, whose birthday is February 12th, is also celebrated this day. Most people think of President's Day as celebrating Washington and Lincoln's birthdays. In 1968, Congress passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Act to give federal employees a three-day weekend. So now President's Day is celebrated on the third Monday in February. And believe it or not, if you go on the Mount Vernon website, there's a little thing that will pop up and ask you if you, it's kind of like, if you want to see George Washington's birthday celebrated on the actual date on February 22nd, then you can write your congressperson and tell them that you would like to have this changed. So if you feel any unction to do that, I would encourage you. This federal holiday only officially recognizes George Washington's birthday. In other words, we're celebrating President's Day today, but on the books, uh, in the federal government, the only really holiday that we are officially recognizing is George Washington's birthday. While it may seem like the entire nation celebrates President's Day, Virginia, Illinois, Iowa, and New York specifically recognize the third Monday as George Washington's Day. In the city of Laredo, Texas, an annual Washington birthday celebration that began in 1898 lasts the entire month. If you go to Mount Vernon, if you happen to be visiting that beautiful place on President's Day or his actual birthday, which will be in two days, Wednesday, the doors are open to the public for free, but they have limited, like a limited number of tickets. So I would encourage you if you plan on going, you want to be like first in line. We all know George Washington is considered the father of our country. 
He was the general of the Continental Army during the American Revolution and became our very first president. George Washington, probably more than any other patriot, believed in freedom and equality. Washington knew British control extended too far within the government. As the British Parliament continued to tax the colonies, George Washington's anger grew. He was a farmer of tobacco, and he switched to wheat because he was being unfairly paid. He was getting a lower price for actually having higher quality tobacco. So he just decided to switch from tobacco to wheat. He could sell the wheat in the colonies and would not need to rely on a British merchant. Washington ran for public office and served in the Virginia House of Burgesses from 1758 until 1776. In June of 1775, Congress ordered General George Washington to take command of the Continental Army, besieging the British in Boston. Despite having little practice in managing large conventional armies, Washington proved to be capable. As the war raged on, the battles that were fought were almost miraculous in nature. The Battle of Brooklyn and the Battle of Trenton were without a doubt next to impossible to have victory without the hand of the Lord. I don't have time on this program to get into those stories, but you need to read about those battles and see how the hand of the Lord worked on behalf of Washington and his army. Otherwise, they would have been totally defeated and uh, we would probably still be under British rule. The character of this man, George Washington, waging war with men who had no shoes when they, when they were uh, in Valley Forge. It was the winter. It was one of the severest winter. These men had rags on their feet. Their feet were bleeding. They were starving. And if it weren't for women who were helping uh, to bring food and to bring bandages and uh, these men would probably have died, but he encouraged them. He constantly, constantly uh, begged Congress for more supplies, uh, but many times they didn't even respond. But Washington kept a cool head. He kept encouraging his men. Uh, he never gave up an inch for the precious freedom we now hold dear. And truly, he cared more about his men than himself. And you see, these men, especially uh, the Battle of Trenton as well, not just Valley Forge, but the Battle of Trenton, these men were ready to desert at any moment because it was, again, they were fighting with very limited supplies, very limited food. To be honest, I think the whole thing was supernatural because I know if I had been a soldier then, uh, 
and it was brutally cold. In fact, the Battle of Trenton was the day after Christmas, December 26th. I mean to tell you, I wouldn't get far without any food. So it's just amazing to me that these men were able to keep on keeping on and didn't desert him. So that tells you a lot about him as a leader. Two qualities that come to the surface for me as I have read about him and I've watched historical movies about the revolution. Those two qualities about Washington are wisdom and humility. If you read any of his correspondence, dating back to when he was just a farmer, after leaving a position with the British Army, they are all laced with wisdom. And that is a character trait rarely found today in our current political government and its leaders. So I thought it would be important for me to share what the Bible says about wisdom. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. I'm in the book of Proverbs, and I'm starting with chapter 2. I'll be reading verses 1 through 12. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and he preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil. So how important is it for us to incline our ear to wisdom? Well, it's actually mandatory for a Christian. And do you see the many pluses of desiring wisdom and wanting to walk in that wisdom and inclining our ear to God's wisdom? Because when that happens, the scripture tells us we're going to understand the fear of the Lord. And we're going to get hidden treasures from him. And he stores up that sound wisdom. He stores it up for you and I because we are his righteous ones. And he'll guard our path. He'll guard those paths of justice. He'll preserve the way of his saints. Now look what it says in Proverbs 
chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Get wisdom, verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all your getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths, and when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Now the writer is using the female pronoun she, referring to wisdom. Take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep wisdom, for wisdom is your life. I don't think the Bible can say it any clearer. So wisdom is the principal thing, and it will keep us walking safely, and it will keep us from stumbling, and our steps will not be hindered when we walk in wisdom. What does this wisdom look like? James 3 verse 17 says, The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So that is true godly wisdom. And when you walk in that wisdom, you get all the benefits that I just read to you in Proverbs 2. Well, and there's lots more, Proverbs 3 and 4. In George Washington's farewell address, he never thought of himself better than others. And this address, I'm going to share just a small portion of it because this address is very long. But he is addressing the nation after two terms as president. They wanted him to be president a third term, but he had no desire to continue and if you read the whole farewell address, you would understand. But I'm just going to read you a small portion. He writes, The impressions with which I first undertook the arduous trust were explained on the proper occasion. In the discharge of this trust, I will only say that I have with good intentions, he's, he's referring to taking the oath to be president, contributed towards 
the organization and administration of the government the best exertions of which a very fallible judgment was capable. Not unconscious, not unconscious in the outset of the inferiority of my qualifications, experience in my own eyes, perhaps still more in the eyes of others, has strengthened the motives to diffidence of myself, and every day the increasing weight of years admonishes me more and more that the shade of retirement is as necessary to me as it will be welcome. Satisfied that if any circumstances have given peculiar value to my services, they were temporary, and I have the consolation to believe that while choice and prudence invite me to quit the political scene, patriot, patriotism does not forbid it. In looking forward to the moment which is intended to terminate the career of my public life, my feelings do not permit me to suspend the deep acknowledgement of that debt of gratitude which I owe to my beloved country for the many honors it has conferred upon me, still more for the steadfast confidence with which it has supported me, and for the opportunities I have thence enjoyed of manifesting my inviolable attachment by services faithful and persevering, though in usefulness unequal to my zeal. If benefits have resulted to our country from these services, let it always be remembered to your praise and as an instructive example in our annals that under circumstances in which the passions agitated in every direction were liable to mislead amidst appearances sometimes dubious, vicissitudes of fortune often discouraging, in situations in which not unfrequently want of success has countenanced the spirit of criticism, the constancy of your support was the essential prop of the efforts and a guarantee of the plans by which they were affected. Profoundly penetrated with this idea, I shall carry it with me to my grave. And it goes on. So you can see that this man, so humbly, he doesn't really take credit for anything he does as president. He's putting all the praise on the people of the nation. That's pretty incredible. So to me, George Washington was a true freedom fighter. Fifteen presidents later, a man named Abraham Lincoln exhibited those same character virtues of wisdom and humility. Lincoln, a self-taught lawyer, legislator, and vocal op opponent of slavery, had a nickname, Honest Abe. Goodness, what an incredible thing to say of someone, especially a politician. He became president in 1860, shortly before the outbreak of the Civil War. His Emancipation Proclamation paved the way for slavery's abolition. While his Gettysburg Address stands today as one of the most famous pieces of oratory 
in American history. After the Civil War, in his second inaugural address, delivered March the 4th, 1865, Lincoln addressed the need to reconstruct the South and rebuild the Union. He said, quote, with malice toward none, with clarity, excuse me, with malice toward none, with charity for all. This gives you a glimpse of this man's wisdom. You will see the wisdom and humility in the things that Lincoln wrote, and I'm going to share a few of them. He said once, It was said of me by those who knew me best that I always plucked a thistle and planted a flower where I thought a flower would grow. He said, I'm rather inclined to silence, and whether that be wise or not, it is at least more unusual nowadays to find a man who can hold his tongue than to find one who cannot. Sure doesn't sound like today. Okay. Despite very little formal schooling, the 16th president was an avid reader who from a very young age understood the transformative power of words. Words were Lincoln's way up and out of the grinding poverty into which he had been born, wrote uh, historian Joffrey Ward. If the special genius of America was that it provided an environment in which every man can make himself, as, with, as Lincoln believed, pen and ink were the tools with which he did his self-carpentering. Hailed as one of the most important speeches in U.S. history, he delivered his brief 272-word address at the dedication of the Gettysburg Battlefield, the site of more than 50,000 casualties. By alluding to the Declaration of Independence, he redefined the war as a struggle not just to preserve the Union, but for the fundamental principle of human freedom. And he wrote... Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work with which they who fought here have thus so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve 
that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. In his first inauguration, Lincoln had evolved to making a full-throated avowal of faith, even declaring that adherence to Christianity was critical to the Union's survival. And he said on that first inaugural address in 1861, March 4th, he said, intelligence, patriotism, Christianity, and a firm reliance on him, referring to Christ, who has never yet forsaken this favored land, are still competent to adjust in the best way all our present difficulty. From the onset, Lincoln always opposed the idea and existence of slavery. And as early as 1837, when addressing Congress as a newly elected member of the Illinois General Assembly, the 28-year-old Lincoln proclaimed the institution to be founded on both injustice and bad policy. And two decades later, he continued to reject it on moral and political grounds. And he said, I cannot but hate the declared indifference for slavery spread. I hate it because of the monstrous injustice of slavery itself. I hate it because it deprives our Republican example of its just influence in the world, enables the enemies of free institutions with plausibility to taunt us as hypocrites, causes the real friends of freedom to doubt our sincerity, and especially because it forces so many really good men amongst ourselves into an open war with the very fundamental principles of civil liberty, criticizing the Declaration of Independence and insisting that there is no right principle of action but self-interest. And of course, after the Emancipation Proclamation, eventually we had the 13th Amendment uh, that abolished slavery. So I think you can see from the things that I've shared and uh, the, the things that people said about these individuals that Washington and Lincoln were true freedom fighters, and they were graced with the virtues of wisdom and humility, which gave strength to their fight for freedom. Lord, may we all be graced with your wisdom from above, and may we recognize that we are frail and worthless without you. Amen. Well, this is Dawn Noble. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again, or you can download the iHeart Radio app and go to Podcasts Pure Heart Ministries and listen as well 24-7. You can write me at my email address, all lowercase letters, Dawn, D-A-W-N, at pureheart.com. Dot today. That's dawn at pureheart.today. And please continue the prayers. I appreciate it very much. And I 
um, would ask you to please consider helping to support this ministry financially. You can send a check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I hope you enjoyed President's Day. I'll be looking forward to being with you next week. This is Don Noble saying, Shalom, Shalom, peace be unto you.